Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Kneeling was a sign of begging for favor for someone more powerful than you. Kneeling expressed a deep emotional request. And so Paul is praying for these people in Ephesians and he is giving a deep emotional request to somebody that is more powerful than him. There is nobody more powerful than God. God is the one who was and is and is to come. He's there at the beginning. He's going to be there during the middle and he'll be there when we are long gone. And so he kneels before the Father God to let everybody know that this Father God, that he is asking for this protection for this church and protection for these people is more powerful than anything we can think of. that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about it's not a typo. It's not a typo. One of my very first jobs out of college was to work for a settlement facility by the name of Settlement Facility Dow Corning Trust, or SFDCT for short. And what had happened is there was this company by the name of Dow Corning that had made uh, prosthesis. They made breast implants, they made hips, they made knee replacements, they made toe and hand joint replacements, pretty much any (laughs) bone or something that could be uh, replaced or enhanced, they made it. But not only did they make it, but there were other companies like Baxter and 3M and McGann and, and some other companies out there that also made uh, these items, uh, particularly breast implants, and Dow Corning made the gel that went into those implants. So it would be like a Baxter outer casing, but Dow Corning gel on the inside. And, uh, it, does that make sense? Um, and so what happened was uh, back in the 60s and 70s when they first came out with these implants, uh, they were faulty, they busted, they ruptured. They caused all sorts of diseases, and so many people sued them that they filed, Dow Corning filed bankruptcy and put all the money in a, in a trust fund, uh, an insurance trust. Uh, and many years later, uh, people got hired by this trust, myself included, to look at people's medical documentation to determine whether or not they got paid. Is this a Dow Corning implant or not? So I spent a lot of time going over records, reading medical reports from from doctors and reading medical records and reading uh, surgical reports and reports from radiologists over and over again. And I would go through up to 400 pages of paper, sometimes looking for one letter. Capital S. Because... Uh, the, 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 the way that the doctors would describe it, they would use the word celastic uh, in order. I put a celastic implant into the patient. I removed a celastic implant from the patient, and I had to watch and read 400 words or, more, or 400 pages or more of medical documentation because somebody had determined before 1970 if somebody used 
uh, Scholastic, they could have, they were definitely talking about a Dow Corning product. So it didn't have to be capital S or lowercase s. They just had to have the s there. But after 1970, it had to be capitalized because Scholastic had become synonymous with a name, you know, uh, with a brand, and not only a brand, but everything in there. Uh, just like Kleenex. You say, hand me a Kleenex. Kleenex might not be on the box, but we all know you're talking about a tissue. Some people say, hand me a Coke, and they may not be talking about uh, uh, something that comes in a red can. Uh, they, they would uh, be talking about any flavor, soda or pop, depending on what side, what side of the country you're from. Any one of those flavors that could be called, they called it all Coke some places. And so I would spend all of this time looking through all of these letters and all of these records and pictures and statements from doctors and statements from attorneys trying to determine if I could find a lowercase s or a capital S. That was my whole first job out of school. What fun. What fun. And I had to have a less than 1% error rate in doing that because the capital S and the lowercase s could determine whether or not somebody got paid $250,000 or got nothing at all but a thanks for coming. Sorry, you don't fit the program criteria. And so I get a little... I'll pay a little more attention to language when language is being used. I'll pay a little more attention to typos when typos are being used because I learned that just in, even in programming and engineering that, that uh, the wrong space in between something you type can break everything in that program. You put a comma in the wrong spot. So I got real particular, re real clear about making sure certain things are right. And I thought about that when I was looking at the text because they talk about typos. Uh, in the 2008 uh, uh, Olympic Games in Beijing, uh, that brought the world to China's door. Amid all the culture display, uh, uh, one Chinese oddity was uh, minimized a bit, and that was the menus. Uh, the Chinese government issued a 170-page booklet that gave English names and descriptions to all the Chinese meals. There wasn't anything about the food itself that needed hiding. It was the meals, literal English translations that became a bit strange. Uh, there was the spicy delight mapo tofu, which was previously named by its literal translation, bean curd made by a pockmarked woman. Uh, there was other adventures, uh, diners that talked about the sampled beef and tripe and chili sauce, uh, which uh, few would have enjoyed if they saw that it was the actual translation of his name, uh, husband and wife's lung slice. Uh, there was an American expatriate in Japan that started a humorous website documenting the public postings of English mishaps, whether the typos were just literal translations that don't work, the results made for confusing and comedic English. Uh, the fire extinguisher sits below a sign that says hand grenade. If the flames don't get you, the explosion will. Uh, the Shanghai subway has a placard that tells travelers how to handle a pickpocket threat. If you are stolen, call the police at once. 
Now, now, while some typos are innocent and funny, some miscues carry significant consequences. In 1991, a single miskeyed character in a computer code left, than more, left more than 12 million phone customers without service. DSC Communications and Bell Systems pinned the East and West Coast outages on just one minuscule typo. Typos will happen. But we want to catch typos before they go public. Reading today's text, some may wonder if they read it wrong. Read carefully Paul's astounding prayer. Some will wonder if Paul didn't have a typo in here. Now to him who by the power of work within us is able to accomplish exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever ask or think, to him be the glory uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Amen. That might be a typo to some people, but I stopped by to tell you that that is not a typo that Paul wrote. Look at it again, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. And you can think whatever you can, and, and God is saying that God can go beyond what we think. Uh, Paul is writing about an exceedingly, abundantly, above all, able God. When Paul is writing to the text, he is writing to a church at Ephesus, which has had Jew and Gentile come together to form one church. Uh, they've had non-church folk and folks who were born and raised in the church come together to form one church under one roof because Jesus Christ didn't just die and go uh, and, and raise from the dead for just the Jews. He did it for everybody. So, so just because you wasn't born in the church, just because you wasn't born and raised in the church and ain't never left, it, it doesn't mean that you any more special than somebody who might have lived a life that some of us might not be familiar with and decided one day to come into church one day. Just because you were born in the church and they came in today, that don't make you no better than them. Is the microphone still working? And so Paul spends all this time writing to these churches because Paul had decided uh, when he heard from God that he needed to spread the message that you didn't have to become a Jew first to believe in Jesus. Yeah. You didn't have to be born and raised in the faith. When you decide to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and follow in his teachings and do what he says to do and live a life according to what he says to do, you are good. Thank you. It don't matter that your great-grandfather didn't pour the, pon the uh, concrete for the parking lot. It don't matter that your mama didn't stitch the, the, the pew cushions together. It don't matter that your daddy didn't put the floorboards down. When you decide to love Jesus with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, you are good. And so Paul is writing a church to a letter of a bunch of people from different places deciding to come together and worship under one roof to worship this one guy. And as he gets to the end of the letter, he is letting the church at Ephesus know that he is praying for them. The text says before you're hearing that you should have boldness when addressing God. And since Paul has been entrusted with, commissioning, with the commissioning of God's grace, Paul is going to pray for them. He gives them a threefold prayer. He covers three things and talks about uh, the spirit of God. Let the church say spirit. spirit. 
He prays that the spirit will strengthen their inner beings. Paul, it says in the text, he is kneeling before the text. He, he, he says in the text that he is kneeling, bowing his knees before the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is something to notice because we as Christians, modern day Christians, we kneel to pray all the time. But that was not something that was done during those times. Matter of fact, those who were raised as Hebrews or Jewish people, it was customary for them to stand when they prayed. And so, uh, and it says that in not only uh, during these times, but if you look at Mark 11 and Luke 18 uh, and Acts 7 and 9 and 20 and 21, it shows you that most of the time when they pray, they pray. And not only do they pray, when you go to the Wailing Wall, if ever you were to make a, a trip over to the Holy Land, you'll see them standing and rocking before the Wailing Wall. And they'll be rocking before the Wailing Wall because they serve a living God. And they don't feel like, you know, you serve a living God if you stand stoically before them. But it was for them to stand, and when somebody kneeled in the text, kneeling was a sign of begging for favor for someone more powerful than you. Kneeling expressed a deep emotional request. And so Paul is praying for these people in Ephesians, and he is giving a deep emotional request to somebody that is more powerful than him. There is nobody more powerful than God. God is the one who was and is and is to come. He's there at the beginning. He's going to be there during the middle, and he'll be there when we are long gone. And so he kneels before the Father God to let everybody know that this Father God, that he is asking for this protection for this church and protection for these people is more powerful than anything we can think of. Thank you. And so he's writing to a church where they have come together, and that's why he says, Father. It's a play on the words, but he says, Father, to let them know that you're in the family. Uh, it's very easy to ask your dad for something than it is to ask your boss for something. Uh, when you go before your dad or your mom to ask for something, you got a bit of a confidence. Why? Because you've been with them. You done spent some time with them. You've gotten a way to understand that when something happens, they're going to work it out. I'm always amazed at my children because they are better preachers than I am, and they will be better preachers than I am. Uh, my children, when stuff used to break, they used to panic. Oh, no, it's breaking. What am I going to do? And then they would give it to me. And then it got to a point where I'd fix it and I'd give it back and play with it, and, and, and they'd go back to playing. And I had to understand that after a while, when something broke, they wouldn't even go out of their mind to fix it. They'd just turn it over to me. Sometimes they wouldn't even say nothing. They would just hand it to me for me to fix. And they didn't even got the baby in on it. Yesterday, the bottle <laughs> popped in the deal, and she walked around the playpen and handed it and put it right in my hands. They, they are much more smarter yeah, yeah. than I am. They understand that when you got a problem, you can turn it over to your father and relax and understand that your father is going to fix the problem for you. Ah, and so he lets them know that they are uh, God the Father, lets them know that they are in the family. And so he has a prayer of passion. Uh, Paul's entire life was in service of the gospel. He made the spiritual mysteries clear. He suffered to make Christ known to the Ephesians. And so he lived a life in service. And that's why when you go and read Ephesians on your own at home, you, you, you can do the whole book in one sitting. Uh, it, it ain't that many chapters in Ephesians. I'm just saying when, when, when you read it on your own during your leisure time, 
It's only six chapters. But when you read it on your own, the part before we get to the healing, he, he's talking about all of the things that they need to live and, and have a service uh, in, in the gospel. See, the uh, Ephesians is what you call a Deutero-Pauline letter. Big old fancy word that I learned in seminary. Uh, a Deutero-Pauline letter. You know, we credit Paul with writing over two-thirds of the New Testament uh, and all of these books, Philippians and Colossians and First and Second Timothy and Titus and, and Galatians and Ephesians. But we've learned through some scholarship that some of those books are in the question whether or not Paul actually wrote them. Uh, and, and some of them think that, you know, these were just uh, speeches that Paul gave and his students decided to write them down later and then give them to the church. Uh, but, but I say that to say that by the time Ephes the church at Ephesus had actually heard what was going on in this letter, uh, Paul is on his way to die. Paul is on his way to die. Sometimes when he was writing some of these letters, you look at the timeline uh, when you study Acts and other Christian historical materials. He was writing these letters to people in jail. He was writing these letters to people after he got beat up for trying to tell people about Jesus. He was writing these letters after being chased away from different places and, and beaten and the swelling happened to happen for buffeting and having these thorns having to be removed from him. It was not pretty. He didn't get to put on a nice suit and sit in front of a congregation and get a salary and a parsonage and get a benefits of the health benefits and a pension. No, he put his life in danger every time he preached the gospel. And so he put that in and this entire life was in service. And he's letting you know that for this reason, he's still praying for the people. For this reason, he is still writing that these people will be grown in Christ, will grow in Christ. His entire life was in service for the gospel, and he, and he prays for them to have a strengthened spiritual experience, and he prays for them to have the tangible presence of Christ, and he, tell, he uh, prays for them to have belief in how wildly God loved them and have life with the fullness of God, a strengthened spiritual experience. We all got to be strengthened in our spiritual experience. We all got to be strengthened in our walk with God. We cannot expect to be better Christians tomorrow than we were today if the only time we delve into the Bible is when we come to church. We cannot expect to grow in discipline if the only time we fast and pray is when the church calls for one. It, ooh, we got quiet now. Like, hey, man, it went away. We ought to be able to do this as lifelong. There is nothing you could get good at to the point that you would be successful just doing it an hour or two a week. If you only did an hour or two a week on your job, you wouldn't have a job for long. If you only did an hour or two a week working with your children, your children would be running buck wild. If you only spent an hour or two a week with your spouse, you wouldn't have a spouse. Amen, lights, amen, fan, amen, floor. Bless God. You got to put in the work and have that tangible experience for Christ and in the belief in how wildly God loves his children. Uh, he said it in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, neither the things in the future, nor, nor principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. 
And so he has the spirit of God, and, and he prays about the spirit of God and offers a, a prayer of passion. And then he talks about the regard of the son of God. Let the church say son. son. He prays that Christ might be more and more in their hearts. He says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, uh, the inner self uh, is synonymous in the Greek with what Paul is using it. It could be uh, basic intelligence. Uh, or your will, or, or, or rooted and grounded in you and built up. So he's saying that Christ needs to be rooted in you. I got some plants at the parsonage that I've been trying to fight with real bad. <laughs> Cut the whole hedge off because it wasn't doing nothing but blocking the way to the spigot. And, and, and I came back. Uh, the next uh, couple days later after the, the landscaper had cut everything down and I was looking at a deteriorated branch standing straight up still in front of my water spigot. So I decided while the kids was outside playing in the driveway that I was going to kick that down. I was going to kick that branch down. I put my foot on it and it pushed me back. <laughs> But it pushed me back because even though it was decayed on the top, it still had roots running deep in the ground. All right, all right. I stopped by to tell you that even though things may be bad on the outside, yes. if you strengthen your root in these things that are of Christ, nothing will be able to knock you over. It may not look on the outside. That branch looked like it could be blown away. But on the inside, it had a root on the inside that was strong enough to keep it going. On Christ, this solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Only what you do for Christ will last. Rooted and grounded. Uh, you can't go any higher if you don't have the right foundation. That's it. I'm watching some of these homes be rebuilt. Uh, and, and I'm realizing that they can't do nothing to them until they fix what the house sits on first. It doesn't make sense to try to fix the, the walls and the windows or the roof if it's sitting on a cracked or a shaky or ill-built foundation. Because if you build on a faulty foundation, you'll be back real soon to build again. And that's what we ought to be doing in our lives when people is continually building the foundation. Uh, and so he prays about the spirit of God. And, and, and he prays about the son of God and getting that Jesus grows more and more in you every day. The more you put into it, the more it will grow and the more you will be rooted and grounded in this thing called life. Ah, uh, yes, and so we go from the Spirit of God to the Son of God to the love of God. Let the church say love. love. He prays that they might be able to grasp the, the full dimensions of Christ's love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth in the height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. It don't matter how many degrees you got, how many letters you got behind your name, what kind of position you done got on your job, no matter what's been going on, the love of Christ surpasses all that. It surpasses any kind of academic achievement or technical prowess you can, uh, uh, you can obtain. The love of Christ is more important and more powerful than any of that. 
exceedingly, immeasurable greatness and power, immeasurable riches of his grace. Paul is here celebrating the power of God to deliver more than any human can ask or think. There is no limit to his power. The only thing that is limited is our imagination. I'm going to say that again. Exceedingly, immeasurable greatness of power, immeasurable riches of his grace. Paul is celebrating the power of God to deliver more than any human can ask or think. There is no limit to his power, only limits on our imagination. They say that the third time is a charm, so I'm going to do it one more again. Exceedingly immeasurable greatness and power, immeasurable riches of his grace. Paul is celebrating the power of God to deliver more than any human can ask or think. There is no limit to his power, only limits to our imagination. We have our own limits that we put on God. That which we can create in our own head by very definition is not God. God is outside of the biggest thing you can ever think or imagine being done. So you just have to understand that God is bigger than your sickness. God is bigger than your present situation. God is bigger than your finances. God is bigger than your fake friends. God is bigger than your phony family members. God is bigger than your job. God is bigger than your house. God is bigger than your problem. Ah, he's bigger than anything we can imagine. And Paul, in this time, is writing what we call a doxology, big old $5 word that refers to a person being praised, usually uh, talking about the glory of God and ending with an amen. Uh, Paul started the verses before you're hearing uh, practically around 3, 1 through 13, which you'll, you know, read on your own time when you get, get a chance. Uh, uh, He starts and he's worried that the saints might lose heart. Paul is on his way to martyrdom, but wanted the people to know that there was glory still in the church. And that glory was God. Even though the situation might have been bad, God is still good and God can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Even though you may have more month than money right now, even though you may be at your wits end, even though your situation may have gotten on your very last nerve, God is still greater than you can ever ask or imagine. God is still greater than you could ever ask or think about what's going on because he had that power. And how did he get that power? The power is that is in Christ still works within us. That same power that took Jesus to Calvary, took him to Golgotha, took him to the way, the place of the skull. That power, when he carried that cross all the way to Calvary, is still working in each and every one of us. You just got to be able to put your mind to it and imagine it. That power that he was working came to go inside of you when he got on that cross and they hung him high and stretched him wide. He got that power in him and that power is working in you when he got pierced in his side. That power that is working in him and is working in you was there when they put that sign above him that said here lies Jesus king of the Jews. That power that was in him was still working in you when they put him in that borrowed tomb. That power that is working in him and is working in you is in there when he stayed there and that power that is working in Jesus that is also working in you was there on the third day when the earth shook and the stone rolled away and the tomb was empty. That power is working in you. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.